This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, 89.3 in Morris Joliet, covering much of central Illinois and now some of northern Illinois and growing. And, of course, we're growing because of you. And we remember we're always brought to you by you. You bring the show to yourselves, and without you, we wouldn't be able to do our show. I'm here with my wife, Lynn, today. We're going to have a great show for you. And uh, I want to remind everybody out there, if you would like to make a donation, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com, and we're always, uh, all donations are always welcome, large or small, and uh, you'll find out a lot more about us if you go to that website. You can also call us at 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. But if you're able, go to our website, you'll find out a lot more information about us and uh, some ways that you can help us out. And again, uh, a donation is always welcome. And so uh, we were talking, I think, uh, last week about doing some fun questions, and we're going to do some of those today. Uh, I want to remind everybody about uh, our saying about the show that uh, this year we're doing a little bit of a theme on it's a mad, 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 mad world out there. And uh, we've been having some fun, I guess, watching uh, this balloon show that's been going on for the last week or so with the uh, Chinese spy balloon and then the other balloons that have been shot down. And uh, my wife has been uh, sort of keeping track of this club. And it's it's, uh, out of uh, Highland Park, Illinois, the Northern Illinois uh, Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. And I think it's uh, part of an organization that sends up balloons, and those balloons have some kind of a GPS device on them, don't they, Lynn? Yes. And they track them all over, and uh, they've had one, I guess, that has gone around the world six times. And is that the one that they say was over Alaska? Right. It was over Alaska. They could track. They track them all the way. Uh, It was over Alaska, right over the Aleutian Islands there. And uh, it went dead. Yeah. (laughs) They lost track of it. They lost track of it. And that was at about the same time that we shot one down up there, I I think. uh, Not over the Aleutian Islands, though. I think that was the Chinese uh, spy balloon that was over the Aleutian Islands. I think they lost one that was uh, over northern part of Alaska. And that's where we shot one down, I think, uh, after that spy balloon. Yeah. Somewhere up there by Prudhoe Bay, somewhere in that area. Yeah, over some kind of island. There's an island up there, and it yeah. was shot down over that. Yeah, over that. I'm not sure. Now, what. these balloons cost about $100 when they're all equipped <laughs> with the GPS, and there's a radio in them, so forth. And really, as far as the Air Force goes, they had their orders, and it looked like a miniature little spy balloon, but it, I don't know how they even could hit it. It can't be that 32 inches in diameter. 
Well, they'd be kind of hard to hit with a, a sidewinder, I would think. They must be pretty darn good shots. Well, if, they, if it is, you know, if actually they did shoot that one down, you know, we don't know for sure. We're not saying that that happened, but they lost their balloon up there. They lost track of it at about the same time that we were shooting down a balloon up there. So, you know, it, it looks pretty, pretty uh, like something like that certainly must have happened but can can you imagine that i mean a hundred dollar balloon and one of those sidewinder missiles cost four hundred thousand dollars that's a pretty expensive shot and uh, of course the uh, pilot uh, that probably was his orders and probably for those pilots i would imagine they didn't mind doing it it would be something you know a sort of a practice or something to do and uh you know yeah live practice break the boredom i suppose so uh, I, I, that's been fun to watch. I, yeah. Uh, now they're to... saying that they, they won't be able to find any of these balloons as you shot down. And uh, the president came on well, yeah, the... <laughs> and admitted that it could be that some of those balloons they shot down could be benign balloons. They could be balloons that were sent up by some kind of a corporation or something, you know, using it to gather uh, weather information or, you know, that kind of thing. And then he said also that it could be recreational balloons. Well, that would certainly fit in with the uh, Northern Illinois uh, Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Yeah. That, so, I mean, if they're saying stuff like that, it means that probably they're considering that they might have shot one down or they wouldn't be saying that, I don't think. Right. I, there is around the world a, a connection by uh, uh, ham radio that they talk to each other about where the balloons are. It sounds like a lot of fun, but I wonder wonder if you can do it now. We've got some balloons there in our kitchen that are left over from uh, our show here last week when we did the 300th anniversary show. We had a little party here, and uh, we had some balloons, and we brought those home, and they're tied to a chair in our kitchen. They're still inflated and still up near the ceiling. Yeah, but he wants to well, let them go outside. Uh, no, uh-uh. I'm a little bit uh, hesitant, though. I'd, I'd like to let them go, but I think I would instruct you to take those out, you know, out in some space far away from our house, <laughs> and you can let them go out there. And, of course, if anything happens, I'll say, she did it. <laughs> Told her not to. <laughs> but uh, remember, I remember once when uh, our kids were small, we, uh, each one, each of the three kids, we got a balloon for each of the three kids, and we tied a, a little plastic bag to each one with the postcard in it, you know, self-addressed back to us to see where it would come down. And we let them go. I remember one time when it was a good wind blowing and, but we never did hear. We never did get any get anything, yeah, anything back. back. So they, they did that for a little experiment. I don't know if I'd want to do that today. Right. <laughs> there are a lot of schools that do that and science clubs. Yeah, too. science clubs and so forth. Do Send it. balloons up. I found one one time when I was out uh, in the woods when I was out hunting, deer hunting, out uh, north of uh, Bloomington here and sent it back in. I never did hear from the people I sent it back to, but... Uh, I guess they got it. It was from one of the schools in town. I can't remember which one. Colleen Hoos, wasn't it? It might have been, you know. And uh, But I found it out there in the woods. So yeah. I, I took it with me and uh, sent it back uh, when I came home. At any rate, uh, we're going to talk uh, uh, today about some questions and answers that we were going to do a little bit last week and didn't get to. So there's some fun questions. And, of course... Uh, you have to understand these are fun for yeah. him. Well, I'm going to give these questions to you. And, of course, you know, you you 
went to Catholic school, of course, and I yeah, didn't. Of course. And then you were sort of the little teacher's pet. You, you sat up there by the nice sisters, and, uh, you know, you were right up in front. Because I was blind. I couldn't see the blackboard. Yeah, you were up there, so you could be right by sister, and I'm sure you probably gave an apple to her every day. <laughs> and you had your starch, a little dress, and everything else and stuff, you know. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, because I went to public school, went to uh, got our catechesis from the sisters up at the hospital. And those sisters were from South Dakota. Those were those tough-as-nail sisters. They didn't let us get away with the thing, and uh, especially us boys. They kept us separated from any the girls. The girls' class was done by a different—they gave the, the most— uh, the meanest and toughest sister was in charge of us, and they didn't let us get away with the thing. Well, I can understand why. Right. And mm-hmm. they, they spent more time running, supervising us and so forth, probably, than they did you know, answering a lot of questions. So you got an advantage on me there. You learned all this stuff. Uh, and, and then the second thing is, is that this was laying around the house all week long. Oh, we'll go back to that. Yeah, Excuse. well, I heard you I, one of the nights there. I think it was Wednesday night. I woke up, and it was the middle of the night, about 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning, and I could hear you moving around the house making noise, and you were in the office. I could hear you in there. and I was too tired to get up and and uh, <laughs> check on you to see what you were doing, but yeah, I bet you were right. looking. I bet you found these, and you were looking at all the answers. Mm-hmm. So, Dream but, on. We'll, we'll go over some of some of the answers are sort of like I, I mean I got them because I knew what the answer was I didn't know why though <laughs> I didn't know why I thought well I can't okay. it's, it's got to be this but some are a little bit tricky well so, I bet they are so we're gonna see if you know all this stuff and you get the answers all right then I I know darn well that you were monkeying around there you were you found those huh. so okay anyway uh, I I wasn't up doing that I was following the balloons. <laughs> yeah, and then your earthquake. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten into these earthquake predictions. Yeah, following you know, all those around. Yeah, so it's really fun. <laughs> well, the balloon thing would be fun. It'd be fun to be launched to a club like that, sort of figure out. You know, I mean, you get the. I guess somebody to launch a balloon from some other state, and if it comes by you, you get the right. You know, call in and identify, and so I guess it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, they even that. have. Uh, a group that uh, down near Antarctica, down at the south southern tip uh, of the continent, the south, uh, they've le- released them from down there, and they flew up over. I yeah. guess it follows follows the uh, prevailing wind. I suppose. Okay, I keep talking, keep avoiding these questions. Yeah, I think that's what you're trying to do. Anyhow, we'll go ahead and launch into the questions and uh, see where it goes. <laughs> I think it'll make a pretty good show. Uh, okay, here's the first one here now. And uh, we're going to talk here about natural law. Is uh, wearing glasses and using uh, crutches or you know, an artificial limbs against the, national, the natural law? No. So that's a trick question, huh? No, it's not a trick question, but I mean, it's just, you know, probably most people, I I, I answered, I would say no also, but by probably most people would guess that it's not against the natural law, really. I mean, because the fact is, is that, you know, why would it be against the natural law? That's right. But most people answering that probably wouldn't know why it was that way. They would just pretty well guess rightly 
that uh, it wouldn't be. It just doesn't, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't well, be. common yeah. sense would tell you that. But the, but the thing is, is that, you know, to explain that, a lot of people don't understand, you know, natural law. But I've heard it before. People say, well, you know, uh, the church follows natural law. But if everybody followed natural law, we wouldn't be using glasses. We wouldn't be using artificial limbs. And we wouldn't be using anything to enhance our natural abilities and so forth. But that's not how natural law, you know, is explained. So wearing glasses, in other words... The natural law is following something that, you know, is the, the following the nature of a thing. In other words, uh, the, the human eye is designed, its nature is to be able to see. And its nature is to be able to see within certain parameters. I mean, we can measure, uh, you know, poor, you know, from, say, ordinary vision, normal vision, you know, to all the way up to good vision, and there are parameters in there in which we would say a person has good vision. In other words, a person can see the things that he needs to see and do all the things that uh, most other people who have so-called good vision can do. And then there are people that fall outside those parameters and that uh, their, their vision is not as good as it should be because there is something wrong with their eyes. In other words, we're human beings and uh, we live in a natural world, and of course, things can go wrong. And uh, so the eyes can can be by genetics or by uh, accidents or whatever can happen uh, by age and so forth. Uh, the eyes can fall below their natural uh, use of being able to see as a human being needs to see. And if that's the case, then wearing glasses uh, would be trying to restore the eyes to their natural state. That is the state of being, you know, uh, seeing and seeing it like all other human beings see. And so, in fact, wearing glasses and uh, using artificial limbs and so forth would not only not be against the natural law, it would be an attempt to restore, you know, to what extent we could, the natural law. So when we talk about natural law, we are talking about the nature of things. And uh, we are talking about things that are inherent in the nature of things themselves. And I heard the other day on uh, uh, <clears throat> one of the radio shows uh, on on uh, Spirit Radio, uh, someone uh, was was talking about the natural law, and I think it was on David Andrews' show. And he answered, you know, it would be the natural law would be, for example, if you speed in a car, the faster you go, the more likely it is to be more dangerous. And if you go fast enough, it's very, very likely the chances of getting into an accident increase, you know, with the the speed. And so because of that, because we know that increasing the speed of an automobile uh, causes more risk and causes it to be more likely that an accident will happen. And, of course, when accidents happen, people can get hurt. So we have laws, you know, uh, regulating the speed of a car. And so you may have a speed limit of 30 miles an hour. Well, the natural law is, of course, that the higher the speed, the more dangerous the, you know, the automobile is, the more likely it is to get into an accident. But then the 30 mile an hour limit would be an example of positive law. That is just human law uh, because it isn't necessarily the ideal speed. In other words, we have to decide arbitrarily about how fast you can go on a given street. 
And of course, 30 miles an hour would be okay, let's say, when the street is dry and the sun is out and everything is clear. And it could be that uh, if the street gets snowy or icy or if it's at nighttime and it's raining, uh, it would be smarter to go less than that. I mean, the 30 miles an hour is not an actual ideal natural speed. The natural law is, of course, uh, that the faster you go, the more dangerous it is. But the positive law is, is that we have to pick somewhere in there between, you know, the ideal speed uh, on various days. It might be 15 miles an hour. Sometimes it might be 28 miles an hour. Sometimes it might be three miles an hour. It just depends. So the natural law is, is that going faster increases the risk. But the positive law, that is the arbitrary law of human beings, is to pick a number that we can live with. And that's, you know, that's the difference between the two. Any comments on that? No. Okay. I mean, it's just common sense. But that's what natural law natural is. Natural law is common sense. Well, it is. It's just looking at the world and seeing that everything has a particular nature and then right. trying to follow that nature, that it's a good thing to keep the eyes in good shape so that they can see according to the nature that they're, you know, the, the, the function that they perform. And that is to see in such a way that it makes it possible for hum, the human beings to do all the ordinary things that they do with the seeing eye. And the same thing with everything else in the world. Uh, each thing is a certain thing. It has a certain nature. Uh, glass, for example, shatters and can cut you. That's its part of its nature. Uh, steel is strong and uh, it will also bend. It doesn't shatter like glass does and so on. And so when we construct things or use things, we follow the nature of the thing that we're using. And uh, I'm getting a little bit uh, deep in this, but it's, it's uh, something I've heard before. You know, people will say something like, well, you know, uh, we talk about homosexuality, for example. And uh, we'll get back to this. So, yeah, you're right. You're pointing. <laughs> you're pointing here at the time, and I'm, I'm just getting away from me. So we're going to have to stop here in this segment and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. You can hear me, right? Now imagine all the other people listening to this radio station. They can hear me too. If you own a business and want to let clients and customers know about your products and services, Catholic Spirit Radio is a great way to get your business name heard throughout Central and Northern Illinois. Catholic Spirit Radio has reasonably priced radio packages. Find out more, 309-807-2427 or email office at catholicspiritradio.com. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. This is it. The final performances ever in Bloomington, Illinois. This is the last season for the spectacular performances of the American Passion Play. The greatest story ever told. The American Passion Play brings Christian history to life with authentic costumes, elaborate settings, and live animals. There's intrigue, drama, friendship, and as the plot unfolds, betrayal, sorrow, and love. You must see the American Passion Play before its final curtain falls at the Center for the Performing Arts in Bloomington. Viewed by generation after generation, this is theater at its best. Performance dates are March 11, 18. 25 and April 1st, and each performance begins promptly at 1 p.m. Reserve your American Passion Play tickets today by calling 309 829 3903. 
Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking here about some of uh, uh, the fun questions concerning Catholicism that uh, uh, are interesting to uh, contemplate and talk about. And I'm asking a lot of these questions to my wife, and uh, probably she knows the answer to some of them because she'd been rummaging around the house looking for them. I could hear her one night doing that. She denies it all the time, but I'm beginning to suspect that that's probably the case. Uh, at any rate, uh, I'm gonna, I went a little bit long on that question, so I'm going to go to another question that's a little bit more of a yes or no question and doesn't get quite so deep as the uh, question about natural law. And that is, see if you can answer this one. Okay. Can a Catholic be buried in a pet cemetery? What? Yeah, this was a question that I found in in Catholic, in the magazine Catholic Answers. Can a Catholic be buried in a pet cemetery? Well, it's possible, I mean, for anybody to be buried anywhere, but... Well, I don't mean it that way. a may, Catholic may, is it, supposed to be buried in consecrated ground. Can, okay, I'm just saying, though, may a, may a Catholic be buried? We'll, we'll use the word may, then, instead of can. Of course, a person can be buried anywhere, like you say. But may a Catholic, with the permission of the church, be buried in a pet cemetery? <laughs> well... <laughs> If the bishop consecrates the ground, he can be buried there. You probably got that from your sister. I'll bet you your sister's in it. I bet you got that question or else you looked at it. Oh, it would be instinctively, I would have said no on that question. And no, no, if the bishop consecrates the ground. See, you were you probably were no, taught that you, What you need to look at here is how many uh, saints and stuff were eaten by animals or burned to death or whatever and their bodies just heaped anywhere or you can't they can't be found I don't, what difference does I don't you believe know, you I, I think just, you look I got this wrong I didn't think it could be buried in a pet cemetery but it says yes <laughs> if it's legal that is you know if, if the if it's, there's not some kind of a city ordinance or something against it and uh, if it's in a suitable container and a priest or bishop blesses, consecrates the ground. It doesn't have to be a bishop, but no. nevertheless, you still you got it right. So you're cheating. <laughs> I bet you you look, you would have never got that. Yeah, you right. looked at that. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's called common sense. It <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't seem right. <laughs> I, I didn't think it would be right. No. <laughs> I know it just seems odd. Yeah, it does seem odd. I grant you that, and it would seem disrespectful. See, but that's I was you're treating a human body the same as an animal. But the thing is, is you're not because if you read the whole answer to the question, is that you know when people are buried anywhere and in any given cemetery, there can be other kind of bones in the ground. There can be mice, you know, that died and the bones are in there. There could be cats or dogs that died, the bones are in there. So that's you know the answer. But the point is, is that I was so focused on the idea that it was a pet cemetery. And that humans should not be buried in a pet cemetery. That I just forgot about the idea of consecrating the ground and all of that. And uh, so I'm. Right. 
So you probably, like I say, you probably looked at it because you would have been the same. You would have been distracted by the fact that it's a pet cemetery and you wouldn't think that, you know, people could be buried in a pet cemetery. But no, you get the answer right off the bat. And you go right to the heart of it that says the ground has to be concentrated. So, oh, pardon me. You either got that in your in school teaching or else I think you looked at it. Okay. You can think what you want. Okay. Okay, I'll give another one here that's uh, a little bit more yes or no. Uh, <clears throat> is it okay to be friends with Wiccans? That is, people who practice witchcraft. As a Catholic, is it okay to be friends with Wiccans, people who practice witchcraft? Yeah, you can be, but you better guard yourself. Um, Jesus took in everybody, you know. He'd, he'd go to their homes and eat with them and everything, but... You better be sure your faith is strong enough and you have enough knowledge to protect yourself. See, I got that answer right, but I didn't get it right with all of that stuff added in that you did. You looked at that because that's exactly <clears throat> what the answer said in the book, in Catholic Answers. That's exactly what it said in the same order that you answered it. Now, that's not just a coincidence. You're looking at this stuff. You got this. You were in my drawer, I'll bet you, in a desk, and you, you got that. <laughs> if anybody could see his desk, you wouldn't say that. Because you got it's it. piled. Because that's <laughs> and how you know you get a desk that's piled high with everything, and then the drawers you open them and things fall out. I'm sure you're going to look for that. But the, the, that's what it said. It explained it exactly like you explained it. I just don't think that that would be. A, it's just a coincidence, Lynn. Okay. Have it your way. I really do. I really have to, you know, I, I used to just think that I was exaggerating to accuse you of this, but it seems like every time we do this and you know that I'm doing it, a lot of the answers you give, you, I think you're, you're giving them on purpose just to tease me that way. <laughs> so I know that you're doing it. Yeah. But I don't know how and when you're doing it. I heard, I, but I did hear you that. I think it was Wednesday night. I heard you monkeying around, walking around, making noise, and never picking stuff up and all that. Can't imagine. Okay, we'll go on to some more. Let's see. Uh, all right. Now, this one here, I'm sure you'll get. Uh, and uh, I'll, you know, I got it because I've, I've you know, done this. But we'll see if the audience out there will get it. Okay. <clears throat> Do animals have souls? Yes. A soul is something that animates the body. It's a spiritual, you know, it, it gives an animation to your being. It's So they do have a soul, but it's not the same as a, a human soul. Because a human soul can make judgments and decisions based on, I don't know what you would call it, uh, based on intelligence. See, Lynn, that's why I suspect you. The answer is correct. I knew the answer was right. I knew that, yes, all living things have souls. But your explanation is exactly like the explanation in the answer in the book. This, this is why I suspect you. Because it's so complete. See, it's really hard for you to, to accept the fact I do have a brain in my head. <laughs> it's just that you seem to know all this stuff without ever having to to study it. I mean, how would you remember all that from the time that you were a kid? Oh, I couldn't. I can't remember what I ate yesterday. 
Well, yeah, but you, you're giving the answer exactly like it was in the book. So, you know, naturally, I'm It's gonna, because you talk about this stuff all the time. I'm suspicious. <laughs> it's, it's our whole conversation. It says, okay, yes, all living things have souls. You're right. It's what makes the living thing a living thing. It's why it's alive. And uh, even a, even anything that's alive has a soul. Even a blade of grass has a soul. Uh, you know, a, a, a bit of wheat has a soul. So, you know, a kernel of wheat has a soul because it will you know, plant it in the ground and it will spring to life and it will be alive. And it's the thing that makes things alive. And if you think about that, it's uh, so true. When, when something becomes dead and it's more, you know, it's to- totally inanimate, something goes out of it. It isn't just the chemicals. All the chemicals are still there. All the body parts are still there. All the cells and so forth are still there. Yet something leaves. Something goes out. And uh, and living things have something that other things don't have. The one thing I want to point out here that I've read is that uh, <clears throat> we are both body and soul. You know, this idea that somehow the soul goes out. You know, you see in cartoons and everything. And then sort of the ghost of the soul walks around or whatever. There's this... this uh, you know, non-material uh, thing that s- sticks around and and uh, haunts a house or something like that, uh, and just the soul itself. That's not the Catholic outlook on, you know, in other words, a human being is not just a soul. A human being is a body and soul. The two have to go together for us to be human. And that is why, you know, we joyfully await the resurrection of the dead, when the souls are joined back with the body, a new body, you know, a, a resurrection, a, a, a new body. But when, you know, that happens, we will not be bodiless because uh, even Christ was not without a body. He came back and he had a body as well as his soul surviving. So Yeah, changed body, right. but, but it was body. Change, right. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> that's another thing. Okay, let's see. Let's go to some other ones. Uh, okay, see if you can answer this one. This is an interesting one. Why do the words of concentration of the Eucharist... Consecration? Con- yeah, con- consecration. Did I say concentration? Okay, yeah. I meant consecration. You're concentrating to trip me up. Okay. Why do the words of consecration of the Eucharist contain for many and not for all? Isn't salvation available to all? Can you explain that? There are two parts to that. Uh, Salvation is available to all, but you have to want to be, uh, you want to become part of the kingdom, part of God's plan. And not all people do. And those that don't are not going to receive the benefit. If you don't believe, you're not going to receive the benefit of the sacrament. See, this is why I suspect that you are looking at these answers. Because, see, you answered it exactly, exactly like the answer was given in the book. Oh, I have to start writing about this stuff. It says, you know, for many, and the reason for, for saying for many but not for all is, is, but all will not take advantage of it. Uh, all are redeemed, but not all are saved. And that's uh, the difference between the word redeemed and and saved or salvation. And a lot of non-Catholics, a lot of Protestants don't realize when Catholics say all are redeemed, it doesn't mean the same thing as all are saved. 
In other words, redemption means that Christ came so that all may be saved or all can be saved, but not all are necessarily saved. Like you say, all people will not take advantage of it. So we use the words for many instead of for all. But you answered it, you know, wouldn't you be, if you were in my place, wouldn't you be suspicious? Yeah, but you're not me. If I was answering these questions that way and you were the one that was looking the questions up and I wasn't, (laughs) I'd be suspicious. And I am suspicious. Well. I just don't think you can get that many of them like that so correctly. (laughs) Well, Bob, I hate to tell you this, but you talk about this stuff an awful lot. And the difference between us is I listen. I don't think you do. (laughs) Okay? Well, I can't remember talking about that question. (laughs) Maybe I did. I don't know. To take your word Over the years, yeah. Yeah. We have talked about that. Okay. I mean, 60 is a lot of years plus. (laughs) Okay. All right, now, <clears throat> this is an easy one. I mean, <clears throat> you know what the answer is to it, but it does does require a little bit of an explanation, and I think most people can sort of arrive at that to some extent. But if you arrive at it too specifically, I'm going to be suspicious here. Okay, does believing in God, the question is, and of course you know the answer to it, and so do I, but does believing in God require that we suspend our belief in the natural world around us and depend on faith alone in that respect? No. No, of course not. Can you explain why? Because it's through the th- uh, the nature around us that we can uh, recognize the uh, recognize the glory of God. The the well, I just had this in the catechism. I'm doing the catechism in a year, and we're just talking uh, going over creation and it's through god talks to us and shows us through the nature what that he does exist that he is present in his creation that's true but see you didn't get this one as accurately as you got those others so you probably didn't. Uh, i probably was trying to read without my glasses and, uh, when i found your and, notebook and, and this makes me more suspicious again because you know when i wrote this one down when just this morning well how could i have seen see, it wednesday the, night well you didn't that's why you didn't give a complete answer to it like you did to the other. That's what I'm trying to say here. You were sort of grasping and going around a little bit in a circle trying to get, you didn't get that nice, precise, specific answer on this one like you did on the other ones. And that's because I just put one in here this morning. So it makes me suspicious that you're looking at my stuff that I put down earlier in the week. Well, I think you're getting paranoid. And at any rate, the point is, is that No, of course, that's the answer, and we both would know that. Most people would know that also, that are faithful and believe. They would realize that we we don't suspend our belief about the natural world. But uh, the fact is, is that it's a good time here to explain contingency, that Aristotle arrived at a belief in God simply from looking at the natural world and arriving at the conclusion that there has to be a supreme being. There has to be a prime being. There has to be a God. And he arrived at that from observing how the natural world works. So 
we don't have to suspend our belief about the natural world. The natural world all actually shows us, if we look at it correctly like Aristotle did, that there must be a God. And that is, is because Aristotle looked at contingency. He realized everything in the world, you know, it changes. And uh, it, in order for it to change, it always has to have some kind of outside force that changes it. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, like you say, nobody can step into the same river twice. The river is constantly moving and changing, but that's because the water is falling, you know, like rain, and then gravity is pulling it down. The gravity is uh, working on the water. The water is working on the things in it, and it causes everything to change. The wind blows, but the wind blows because the sun heats it up, heats the air up and so forth, and causes wind to blow, and the earth actually turns and, and so forth and causes the various Coriolis forces and other things that, that have an effect on the wind. In other words, if we look at anything that's changing, there's something outside of it that's doing it. It doesn't change by itself. If it, we, no, it doesn't. It, it, uh, right. it goes according to a natural order. It has to be ordered. Right. Everything has to be given something in order to, for it to achieve its potential, you know, its change. And so Aristotle observed that that can't go on forever. I mean, there has to be something that is the giver that doesn't have to be given itself. Something can't go around in a circle. I mean, A can't cause B and B causes C and C causes D and then D causes A. You know, that doesn't work. So uh, there has to be an unchanged changer that starts the whole chain. Going to have to stop here again. The time's going by so quick and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. This is an important message for DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, and Joliet listeners. Catholic Spirit Radio's recent purchase of a radio station in your area has been an expensive endeavor, but a worthwhile investment because in this boisterous secular world, we want your community to hear more about the real truths and beauty of the Catholic faith. With the expansion in your area, we now need your added financial help to maintain it. It costs $7,000 a month to run Catholic Spirit Radio, even with our all-volunteer staff. Show us this station matters to you and the souls of your community. Become a first-time donor. Better yet, become a monthly donor. Join other listeners. When you pay your monthly bills, include a Catholic Spirit Radio donation. Mail to 108 Boykins Place in Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or click the Donate button at catholicspiritradio.org. No one at the station receives a salary, and all donations are tax-deductible. Your donation keeps Catholic Spirit Radio in your community. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. This is it. The final performances ever in Bloomington, Illinois. This is the last season for the spectacular performances of the American Passion Play. The greatest story ever told. The American Passion Play brings Christian history to life with authentic costumes, elaborate settings, and live animals. There's intrigue, drama, friendship, and as the plot unfolds, betrayal, sorrow, and love. You must see the American Passion Play before its final curtain falls at the Center for the Performing Arts in Bloomington. Viewed by generation after generation, this is theater at its best. Performance dates are March 11, 18. 25 and April 1st, and each performance begins promptly at 1 p.m. Reserve your American Passion Play tickets today by calling 309 829 
Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We've been talking about uh, questions and answers uh, in Catholicism. And uh, a lot of these questions have been taken from the book Catholic Answers. And they're very interesting and pertain uh, specifically to our faith and why things are, are, are that way. And they're fun to do. And I'm here with my wife, Lynn, doing them. And, of course, as always, she seems to be doing quite well on some of these questions, answering them very specifically. And I might say pretty much exactly like the Catholic Answers book themselves. And I took these questions from some of the Catholic Answers magazines. I put those magazines away in a safe place, at least I thought along with the answers to the questions that I wrote down. And uh, it seems like in all of the questions in which they've been laying there for a week, she gets them very, very accurately, very, very suspiciously close to how they appear in the book. And then the one question I ask that I just did this morning that wasn't in the book, you know, I mean, it was in the book, but wasn't uh, being used uh, and wasn't uh, you written. You didn't write it down. I didn't written, write it down for the show she doesn't get very accurately. So that makes me very, very suspicious as to what's going on. Sure it does. Yeah. All right. Now, here's a here's a tricky one. Okay. So I don't know if you get this or not, if you haven't read it. Uh, <clears throat> if all, as in 1 Corinthians 6.20, and in Acts, I won't go through all of this, in, uh, in Revelation and so forth, uh, are, no, wait a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm looking yeah, at the wrong. Yeah, that's going to be hard to. I'm looking at the wrong one there. I got to go. <laughs> I'm looking at the same one that we did. Okay. Uh, but the, the, the question is, is that uh, if God is unchanging, according to Catholicism, right? Right. God never changes. God, right. God is fixed. God is the same all the time. But when God created the world, and the world came into existence, then God becomes a creator. Now, if God becomes a creator and he wasn't a creator before, then doesn't that mean that God has changed? I mean, he has become something that he wasn't before. Before the change happened, he was not a creator. Then he creates something, and now he is a creator. And yet the church teaches that God can't change. So how is that possible? I mean, isn't there some kind of a contradiction there? How do you explain that? Pretty hard. Um, God cannot change. He's unchanging. He's unchanging. Right. And just because in your human mind we think that uh, changing a word changes something. No, changing the world. He he created. No, the word. Okay. Okay. Everything was created. Through the Word of God. Right. right. Okay. When I mean, when I'm talking about everybody has a language, right? Right. And they communicate, use it to communicate. Well, God doesn't have a specific language. He's a spirit. Okay. He doesn't change. And to say, because you, we say, not just you, that he ch- would ki- would say that he changed, you're using the word change to describe something that doesn't change. 
Well, you're you're. Hey, I don't know. You're sort of hitting on it, but you're. But the, the thing is, is that it, it's an apparent contradiction. But the contradiction is only apparent, and the church can answer that question, and the church explains it, and God doesn't change, because change happens in two ways. There is change within ourselves, and there is change outside of ourselves. Let me give an example. And God, God really, in this case, hasn't been changed. Suppose a man, a father, is six foot, and he has a son. And that son, of course, is a baby, and then the baby becomes a boy, and the boy is you know, four feet, and then five feet, and so forth. Okay. Now, let's suppose that the, the six-foot father, at some point, his son becomes, in height, six foot one inch. Now, the boy is taller than his father. And we can say that his father is shorter than the boy. So, his father, in effect, has become shorter than his son. But has the father really changed? No. And the answer is no. The father is still the same height. He's six foot. He hasn't changed in height at all. And yet we can say he's shorter. So what happened is, is the change took place outside of the father. The father didn't change, but the world around him did change. And this is exactly how the Catholic Church explains something like this. Uh, the world did come into existence at a certain point. I mean, our universe came into existence. It has a beginning. And it came into existence at a certain point. So it's not eternal like God is. And it's not unchanging like God is. It changes. But the point is, is that change is outside of God. There was no change in God. And you're right. We're using language. We say God became a creator. And that's just our way of saying that the universe came into existence. We're really just saying the same thing twice. The universe came into existence. We're really not saying anything here about God in the sense of God being changed any more than we're saying that somehow the father actually shrank and became shorter than his son. In in reality, he didn't. It's just the way we use language. Right. It just uh, the creator created and it didn't, you know, it didn't change him at all. But the creation can change without the creator changing. That's true. Just as there are some things that, uh, you know, are, are uh, caused and the cause can go out of existence and yet the, the results, uh, you know, of the cause is keep on happening like dominoes. We can have a situation in which we have a whole long row of dominoes, let's say for miles and miles and miles, and we tip one domino over and the dominoes might keep falling for hours and maybe days, whatever the case, we can imagine how if we have enough of them. The person that started it, the person that pushed the first domino, could die and go out of existence. And yet the dominoes still keep on falling. Yeah. I, the, you know, so then there are different kind of changes where uh, the changer and the thing changing are, you know, simultaneous. Like if I have a stick and I'm using that stick to push a rock, every time I move the stick, the rock moves at the same exact time. So, I mean, it's, that's not the same kind of a situation as the dominoes. If I die, this rock stops moving. But with the dominoes, if I die, they keep on falling. So, there's a difference. Okay. Uh, but it, I, go ahead. I'm on the verge of talking about deism, 
the, the, the deists that believe that God created everything, then He left it alone to yeah. progress on its own. Yeah, they would be. They would be the people that said God stepped out of the picture and the dominoes keep falling. Right. Yeah, God is a clockmaker. You know, mm-hmm. he winds up the clock, and then the clock clock keeps on running. That doesn't work though, because we don't live in that kind of a world. Yeah, that's uh, true. But the thing is, is that everything in the world is made up of atoms and uh, all their particles that we know about, and probably even more and that we in don't know. Motion all the and time, and they are constantly in motion. And they are, you know, in other words, they are more like, say, if we had a. Uh, you know, a table being held up by legs and the legs of the table be held, being held up by the floor of a house and the floor of the house being held up by the foundation of the house and so forth. Uh, all of these things are operating at exactly the same time. Pull out any one of them and the whole thing collapses all at once. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it doesn't go from, it doesn't keep on going. As soon as the forces that are holding all these things together go out of existence, if any one force goes out of existence, all of it goes out of existence, and that's how our world is. And so if it wasn't being held together by the mind of God, and God somehow or another could disappear, the world would simply disappear, and that's how the Catholics look at that, that uh, it's a different kind of uh, situation than the dominoes. And uh, the dominoes are one situation. It's more like the rock and the stick. If, if I'm pushing that rock with the stick, and that stick goes out of existence and I go out of existence or I go out of existence, the rock stops. In effect, in the world, it wouldn't just stop since all the atoms that are holding, you know, by their forces and so forth, everything together, they would simply dissipate and everything would simply be gone. Right. So we have to explain both kind of forces. And in our world, if you remove the kind of force that's not contingent on, you know, a, a series, then everything goes out of existence at once. Okay? Okay. All right. All right, we'll ask you another question. Uh, this is one that every Catholic should know, but a lot of Catholics today seem to get it wrong. A lot of Catholics today seem to think the, the, the wrong way on this. Is Jesus physically present in the Eucharist? Yes, we believe he is. Exactly. But uh, there's a lot of people that don't get that question right today. don't understand. Right. Jesus is actually physically, according to Catholic theology, Jesus is actually physically present in the Eucharist. He's not symbolically present. He's physically present. The answer is uh, the substance, that is, the thing itself is changed. But the accidents remain. So when the host is changed, it still looks, it's accidents, it's still round. That's an accident of the host. It's still the same color. Let's say it's white. That's it's unleavened bread. Right. It's still, you know, un, un, has all the features and so forth of unleavened bread. But the substance itself has changed uh, from bread to the living, the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. So, or God the body, blood, soul, and divinity uh, of Jesus Christ. And so, of course, you know, it's God. Yeah, I think the best one that uh, could explain that, the best explanation I've heard so far is, uh, what's his name, Dr. Ray? Dr. Ray, six bucks. Right, and he used a quarter of all things (laughs) and explained how the, the elements that make up the quarter 
are continually in motion, but we don't see that. Exactly. Yeah, he did. He, when he explained the Eucharist, he throws out a quarter to somebody, I think, in the audience, and then he asks them, you know, to uh, try and bend it, and, and asks them, "Is it? Is it? It's round. It's hard. <laughs> you can't move it, and so forth." But nevertheless, if we could look at that through a powerful enough microscope, almost all of it is empty space. Yeah. And it's being held together, you know, by by forces that we don't really understand. I mean, mm-hmm. we, in fact, we don't really know what material is. It looks like one thing, feels like one thing, but in reality, it's something, you know, entirely different than that. Right. So, in, in other words, so when we look at the Eucharist, uh, you know, it's the same. The accidents, the, the right. substance it actually changes. It the same. It, you know, but the accident, accidents are like if you have a pair of blue jeans, for example, they're blue. But you could wash those out and the accident would be gone, but the blue jean would still remain the same. I mean, it would no longer be a blue jean, but it would still be a pair of pants. And that would still be the same. And so the accidents of something can be changed. You know, in real life, we can change the accidents. But God can actually change the substance because he created it in the first place. Right. So we, we can have the substance there that appears to us the same as it always does, tastes to us the same as it always does. But those are just the accidents of that substance. The substance itself can be changed, and we wouldn't see it. We would just see the accidents. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. <clears throat> Why can't non-Catholics receive communion in the Catholic Church? It goes right along with this idea. Okay, I can answer that question. Good. Because when you are in communion with the Catholic Church, when you receive communion, you are also in communion with the Church. Meaning that you are saying by receiving that communion that I accept all the dogmatic teachings of the Catholic Church. That I believe in them, that I follow them, and uh, that they are true. And of course, if you are not a Catholic in the sense that you say you're a Protestant, you don't believe all those things are true, you would be going up in front of everybody and acting as if you were a Catholic believing in all the dogmas of the Catholic Church, and you would be going against your own conscience. And the Church tries to protect you from doing that because you don't really believe in all of those things. Right. And so it wouldn't be right for you to go and, 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 and do that. And it might be that you're ignorant of that case. You don't know that you're doing that. But still, the church says no. And then secondly, you have to be properly disposed to receive the Eucharist. And the church has authority over Catholics to meet those various dispositions that you have to have in order to receive the Eucharist. It doesn't have any authority over a Protestant. It can't tell him or her what to do or not do or to come to confession or any of those kinds of things to be properly disposed. And so since it has no authority uh, to do that, it exempts the Protestant from you know having to uh, take part in the Eucharist. So for those reasons, it's okay. really not a good thing for the, uh, you know someone who's not a Catholic to, uh, to do it. Right. Uh, they're saying they believe in something that they don't. Exactly, and it's, and would they receive the same grace in receiving uh, the Holy Eucharist as a Catholic would? No, you have to be open to that grace. And if you don't believe that the Eucharist can give that grace, 
that, that, that if you don't believe that it's a sacrament, then you wouldn't really be open to that grace. So you wouldn't. So you wouldn't be receiving that grace unless you are, you know, open to it. Okay. That's my answer anyway. Yeah. But uh, at any rate. Uh, if you don't believe in something, it's not going to yeah. do you much good, is it? And then again, like I say, that you know, the church is saving you from, in effect, embarrassing yourself. I mean, most people probably today wouldn't pay much attention. They wouldn't know somebody's a Protestant or not a Protestant up there. But nevertheless, it's not the right thing to do to let somebody get up and not realize that they are saying, I believe in the Catholic Church and all that it teaches, when they're really not. And if you ask them, would you be willing to say this in front of everybody? They would say, no, they're not willing to do it. So it's not right to let them get up and, and in effect be saying that and not realizing that they're saying that. Right. So... We're it, getting it, short in time again. Okay. This has really gone by fast. Yes, it's been it, fun. Yes, it has. It's sort of been fun. And I still have a suspicion, Linda. I can't help it. I mean, you know. Oh, well. We'll see. At any rate. You're going to have to catch me red-handed. I guess. We're going to have to stop here and uh, end our program. So we'll say our prayer. St. Michael the Archangel. Defend, defend us, us in, in battle. battle. Be, Be our, our protection against, against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May, May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all, and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. Please pray for peace this week. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.